Hello and welcome to another edition of Kicking Back, where we discuss women's soccer. And that is a space that's been really heavy of late. That's the word that a lot of players have used. I think it's a very accurate word, certainly for lack of a better term at a time when it's hard to, to put those emotions into, to contextualize them, to verbalize them. And the past month we've seen allegations of sexual abuse and misconduct of, of various forms of misconduct within the National Women's Soccer League and the wider sport of soccer, specifically women's soccer. And we've seen um, probably just the, the tip of the iceberg in terms of stories coming to light, many more that are out there that, that have yet to be heard, maybe won't be heard, um, but, but certainly uh, it's been pervasive that, that misconduct and, and misconduct in how uh, that's been handled from positions of power has been uh, really the entire past month. It started before that with Kaya McCullough, the Washington Spirit allegations that, that uh, eventually led to the firing of Richie Burke. And as of this recording, in progress perhaps, a potential sale of the Washington Spirit by Steve Baldwin that is that is still TBD out of, as of this moment. But um, what we've, we've seen is that uh, the problems within the NWSL, and this is not a surprise, are pervasive throughout the sport of soccer, of women's soccer. And today I'm joined by Shireen Ahmed, who this past week reported on demands that the Canadian women's soccer team made of its federation. This is the Canadian women's soccer team that just won the Olympic gold medal in August. For the first time, they won the gold medal and has a platform, was returning to Canada for the first time in two years for a home game as part of a celebration tour and is is demanding more of their federation, more accountability, more uh, safe space for not just players at that level, at the highest level, but youth organizations throughout the country, which um, this has been part of, of the problem uh, in many ways and specifically to Canada. Uh, Bob Berarda, who's been charged as a former Canada soccer employee, a former Vancouver Whitecaps employee with the women's team, which no longer exists, and has been uh, charged on nine different counts of sexual abuse and harassment, of luring a child, uh, of, of various deplorable charges um, that, that were specifically mentioned by Canadian women soccer players. So. Here I speak with Shireen about the process of, of reporting on that and also what's happening at a wider level in Canada and, and even wider, honestly, within the sport and, and what's happening in the NWSL and really globally at this point, which I think we're finally, perhaps perhaps finally seeing a little bit of a window into and, and seeing more, um, more actions being taken around that. So appreciate the time from Shireen. Uh, if you're listening to this at the end of the episode, mention different ways to, to read her work. Um, underscore Shireen Ahmed underscore on Twitter is probably the, the catch-all place for a lot of that, as she says. And, and if you're listening um, on EqualizerSoccer.com here, we'll provide some links to, to follow her work and some links to what's actually happening um, in some of these cases that, that I spoke about, that we speak about in this episode. So uh, a little bit of a heavier topic for sure on this one. 
uh, but certainly want to use this platform to you know, be talking about uh, some of the more important things in the sport right now, which um, for certainly the past few weeks have not necessarily related to, to the soccer itself. So thank you for listening, um, and, and I hope that you take away something new and learn something from this episode. Jeff Kasouf here. Welcome back to another episode of Kicking Back, a podcast brought to you by the Equalizer, EqualizerSoccer.com, and in collaboration with Blue Wire Podcast Networks. So I guess this is something of a, a Blue Wire crossover pod here. I've got uh, Shireen Ahmed on with me and uh, a co-host of Burn It All Down podcasts uh, and, and a multi-platform journalist um, who you can find... Uh, I, just about everywhere, um, doing doing work everywhere. Shireen, thanks for joining me. Thanks for having me, Jeff. And yeah, this is fun. It's a Blue Wire family get together. <laughs> yeah, I think uh, first on our end. I don't know if you all have done any any crossovers. Um, I know spinsters. We've done oh, basketball nice. stuff. Yeah, for Very sure. Nice. Yeah, yeah, I know. I know the soccer community is is growing there. So yeah, um, maybe we'll do a, a little bit more of that um, in the future. But. Um, yeah, so so I mean, multi-platform journalist as mentioned. I, I know maybe we'll get to it in a in a lighter segment, but I, so I love on your Twitter bio the uh, self-proclaimed scholar of Bendit like Beckham. That I feel like that needs to be explored. <laughs> I'm I'm insufferable when it comes to that movie, and <laughs> I I literally have written grad school papers about it because I like to include it in most everything. And I mean, you know, yeah, we can get into that too. But yes, <laughs> absolutely own it. All right. Well, I, if a fine movie and um, it sounds like I'm terrible at remembering things from movies, like people quote movies to me, but it sounds like maybe you, you've got you've got that one on lockdown, maybe. So um, <laughs> but but more more seriously to, to start here on the, the topics at hand, um, you know, happy to have you on the show. We've got a lot going on within the sport, obviously, at the, at the moment. And um, as we're recording this, even some more developments related to what we're talking about, unfortunately. But um, the past week or so here, uh, by the time this comes out, you've reported on um, Canada soccer and the Canadian women's national team players, which uh, last Friday, ultimately, it was um, released a statement and, and Canada soccer quickly replied to that statement. And um, uh, we'll put some links in this this episode for, for those of you listening for really specific language, but Canadian women's soccer players asking for accountability from the, the Federation and specifically in regards um, to Bob Berardo, who's, who's um, we, we will talk about um, and some allegations against him and, and criminal investigations and allegations that exist at the moment, commitment to, to safety for all players. And they've asked that that continue um, down to youth levels and throughout national organizations. So um, firstly, Shireen, I mean, you reported on this uh, first on, on Friday. You spoke with some of the players ahead of time. Um, what was your initial reaction to, to them coming forward with this story and this these demands? And, and what did you make of, of Canada Soccer's? It was a pretty quick response of what their initial response looks like. Yeah, thanks, Jeff. So I actually the piece went live on Saturday. So I got a call, I got a text Thursday night and saying, do you have a couple of minutes to talk off record? And when you get a text like that, you're like, wow, there goes my weekend. It's the first thing you think, right? Like, okay. Um, but the first thing you, like my brain starts to move into actual work gear. So like working mode. So then, uh, 
Friday morning. And I do have to say this, that I had planned to take some days off, thought they were well-earned uh, even up before this happened just to uh, prevent from burnout. I'm working on two other stories that involve uh, different sports that are really intense and their abuse stories and maltreatment stories. So that is, I wanted some time to kind of recalibrate. So I got this text Friday morning, I'm on the phone and parsing out very quickly. Now what happens is, and this is an expression I've actually learned from Katie String of The Athletic, who does an incredible amount of reporting and wrote that absolutely seminal piece with Meg Linehan um, on the NWSL and Paul Riley and you know the allegations there um, from Manashem and Sinead Farali. So, you know, you, they don't, what I mean to say is some of the stories die on the vine. So not everything that gets disclosed to you as a journalist is something that you can actually take and publish. And I think this is something that people forget. And it's super complicated is that not everything that happens is necessarily going to be published, nor all the interviews you do. I'm working on a story and have over 20 hours of interview. I have 1200 words, can't fit all that in there. So that's, you know, it, but I knew very quickly with this particular one that it was going to be a go. I was like, okay. And I also knew very, very quickly because I was told that I was the only person I had this scoop. And I knew that I knew it. And I trusted that. And it, you know, there's another piece where you feel really, there's an honor and a duty that comes with this type of journalism that you're, you have the trust in the ear of these athletes. And then when they, when I, but I needed to get the doc, I needed to get the document that was being sent to um, soccer Canada. Cause I was like, I understand that, but I have my own practice. I had like, you know, as a journalist, you have to corroborate that it's happening. So I spoke with two sources to corroborate it. And if there's any journalism students out there listening, this is important stuff. Like you can't go on hearsay cause you want to protect yourself and you definitely want to protect your sources and the reporting you do. It's not more important to be, First, it's important to be right. And, you know, in this, so I, this isn't a competition. This is, I need to get it right. So I needed the, so when I got the documents on Friday night, I was like, okay. Um, now the way that the documents were sent to me, they're again, being super careful. Uh, they weren't emailed as a forward. They were screenshotted and sent to me just to, just in case. And I understand that. And, you know, there's different ways in which, um, you know, this process works for me because as a racialized and identifiable Muslim woman, I don't give my phone number out that easily. Like a lot of people, I don't have a specific work phone, which I do need to get because, you know, I am careful and had received, you know, incredible amounts of threats in the last month or so. So I needed to um, I also straddle hockey in my reporting. So that's wonderful and lovely, especially right now. Right. <laughs> so um, anyway, I, I went with it. I talked to my bosses at TSN. I was like, I need to do this. Talk to Owen Mayer, who, who does a lot of the soccer stuff at TSN and talk to my boss. And then they said, we're going to lead sports center with us, our sports center but what was happening. And then, you know, we, the kickoff time was three, but sports centers at six, what time do we go live? And then there's requests from the journalists, but then there's a very gentle and tender way that you have to say, I need to do this by this time. You know, there's, there's a process that happens. So you're also trying to communicate with your sources to let them know that you're being careful and understanding, but I'm not a PR person. I'm a journalist. So I need to, 
I need to get the story out. It has to get traction. And I believe in harm reduction. If I felt at all that my piece would have infringed on the point of this, I wouldn't have done it. And as you mentioned, Jeff, the story is a long time coming. Now, I'm not reporting on what happened and has been happening for the last you know, 10 years or so, since essentially Berarda had been with the Whitecaps in Kennesaw since 1988 till 2008. And, you know, so I was reporting on this specific action. And so there's a difference there that why wasn't a deep dive? Because it's it's going to be part of a deep dive, but this is what I'm reporting on now. And that's a difficult thing to sometimes for people to understand. Well, why didn't you talk about this person who talked about it? Why? Because I'm reporting on this thing. There absolutely will be follow-up. There needs to be accountability, accountability questions to the Federation. That will happen. But right now, this is what I'm reporting on. So you have to bounce all of that out. You know that. <laughs> yeah. So so the the response from Canada Soccer um, comes pretty quickly at that point. I think I think this all kind of unfolds during the game, if if I have that timeline right, um, or relatively, you know, around that first uh, Canada game, which we I, I guess I should say, you know, um, that is the first home game for Canada since winning the gold medal in the Olympics and, and honestly uh, an all too rare home game uh, for the team period. So, so I think, you know, obviously uh, maybe, maybe part of that, they understood their platform a little bit in terms of that moment and, and um, maybe a little bit um, unfortunate that it had to come to them having to use it for that when they were, you know, celebrating a gold medal, but um, they, they asked for accountability for an investigation, Canada soccer, uh, immediately replies and, and the statement's quite long, so I won't read all of it here, but um, it, it was a quick reply to, to again, something that we said, you know, the some of the contents of what the players were asking for have been known about for, for quite a while. Um, I'm wondering what you made of that. I, I, and I'm wondering too, if, if, if you can say, do you feel like um, it was related to, I was looking back at um, Canada soccer statement and we'll talk about some of the bigger picture stuff that's happening in the sport. But five days after the the initial Paul Riley report, which I think was quite vague, you know, didn't say much, and, and just said we stand by our, our Canada players. I I don't know if they're related. I'm curious if you felt that maybe that or, or anything gave the players some um, feeling like they needed to to say more related to their federation because that was maybe an insufficient reply to even that situation that that didn't necessarily as directly affect Canada itself. Well, you're right about a couple of things. One is that uh, even in the post-game presser after the first match um, against New Zealand, the football ferns, they played at Lansdowne Stadium in Ottawa on Saturday. Um, Sinky did say that they have a tremendous platform and, you know, they, they, they're aware of that. And then she credited uh, Aaron McLeod, who didn't play on Saturday, who was sort of the one uh, managing this in a way so that the players could focus on the actual match, which makes sense. Um, Aaron did actually play on Tuesday in the second half, but uh, for that day. And it's not to say as in it's put out. I don't think anyone feels if, as if a statement was put out, the demands or the, you know, the requests that were made, that's it. This is the beginning of a journey. And um very much the players that I spoke to st stated that the after effect and the residual effects of the reporting by Meg um, 
was very much something that made them inflect. And okay, so this is what's happening. And let's not forget that Canada doesn't have a domestic league. So a lot of our women play in the United States with NWSL or they play in Europe. Um, so that's, they can't play here. So, I mean, Sink had been, been at the Thorns while this is happening. It's not far from home for, for Canadians and for, you know, this team. And I think we tend to forget that, that this affects them. And then the sort of the, although it was, you know, the younger team, uh, for Canada may not know or, but there is something of, you know, the generational trauma that happens and experienced and there's soccer sisters and it very much is a burden that's carried by these athletes. So for sure, you know, I think that that's something that the, and, and the move by soccer Canada to say, we stand with athletes, but remain largely silent on this whole thing, the Vancouver Whitecaps had made a statement about Berarda, who I just, for your listeners who do not know, also coached the under 20 women's national team. So was employed by Soccer Canada and is now, right now in court in British Columbia, his court date was postponed till October the 28th, being charged with nine different counts, criminal charges, including luring a child. So this is, this is really, this is deplorable and atrocious. And as mentioned, there have been calls. Kara McCormick, a former member of the national program, had wrote about it at a blog in 2019. And part of the thing that Kara um, speaking out publicly is that she had to write a blog and she penned an article for The Guardian because it wasn't something that Canadian media picked up on. And as somebody who is one of the very few people in this country who write about abuse and intersections of race and gender in sport, there's too few of us from an investigative like standpoint. There's too few. And this shows a failure, not just with Canadian soccer, this is a failure of this entire country to not value or or want to air out that like there was so much reporting on Canada getting the World Cup, you know, co-hosting 2026 Men's World Cup. I should be specific, but even, you know, in 2015, in their own backyard, when Canada hosted the Women's World Cup, the allegations had been made. Like, where was any attention on this? And Canada soccer told me uh, when I followed up with them before I, I went on TV, I was like, listen, I reached out to you for comment. And the only thing I'll just sort of clarify, Jeff, is that you said that they responded quickly. I don't know if it was quickly. They were given the document Friday night and they came out with a statement a half an hour before game time kickoff was 3 PM. Do I feel like that's quickly? Not necessarily. And there was, a, and, and, and Sandra Gage, who's a spokesperson for soccer Canada had told me that it was done in collaboration with the players and, you know, really highlighted the fact that it was done in a, in a spirit of collaboration, but I'm like, y'all need the players to do your statement. Like what? Like, Really? And, you know, that's an awful amount of work for the athletes to do in addition to preparing to play. So, you know, and this is a time, and I stated this, that they could have used this opportunity just to revel in the glory. They are adored. They are adored here. They, you know, just people light up. They know them. They want those jerseys. And, you know, even Quinn, you know, simultaneously winning an award from Athlete Ally for their, you know, inspiration and achievement by being the first trans non-binary player player to win a gold medal the first trans non-binary player to win a gold medal that's huge 
So in, and, and that wasn't even actually mentioned anywhere on Tuesday on the pitch. Like so much that this team wants to really focus. And there was a minute of silence for survivors of abuse. And they were also specific to say it wasn't only in knowing very much as athletes and the whisper network, this doesn't only exist in soccer in Canada. It happens in lots of other sports and is again, not reported on, which is a fault in the media or not taken seriously or covered up by those in power. And we know this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and I think um, today we we saw you mentioned Vancouver Whitecaps, um, a report in the Guardian about um, allegations against Hubert Busby at at the Whitecaps in 2011, uh, actually after the the Bob Berarda, um allegations, but but a similar similar thing, similar time frame, and and I'm wondering, um, you know, to your point, I want to ask you about um, sort of the the country at large, um, and and maybe we are speaking about soccer, but. You know, the the task now is there are a lot of them, but, you know, Canada soccer is still the the governing body. So to some degree is tasked with reform, um, with with, you know, correcting some of these problems. Um, And and certainly they can't undo what what's happened to some alleged victims, but, you know, to, to create a safer space going forward and. You know, I wonder, this has been a topic in, in the NWSL and, and whether change can come from within. This is a, a topic, unfortunately, worldwide. But, you know, do you do you have any confidence that that the Federation as is can can make those changes? And, and do you have a sense of perhaps how deeply the problems run? Because I know like we had um, Harjit Chohal up there. Uh, covering those dames for us. And, and I think she directly asked Christine Sinclair, you know, Victor Montagliani, as an example, was was in charge during this time, is now in charge of CONCACAF, has a, is very high ranking in FIFA. Um, one example of, I'm sure, many, but when you start looking at the structure of, of power, I guess, and, and where change happens, um, is there... A path forward that seems like it's, you know, one that that could create some actual tangible change. I think that this question is really important because two of the main words that really caught out, out of the asks, uh, we call them demands. We can call them ask. We can call them requests. I was specifically went by the letter and the wording that I got was demands. Now, one of the things that I think is really important here is two words. One is commitment. The first ask was commitment to commit and recognize and apologize. You cannot have reconciliation if you do not recognize. You can't fix something if you don't literally acknowledge that it happened, which Canada soccer has yet to do. Second thing is accountability. So, you know, there needs to be a third party investigation with the timing agreed upon by all parties to look into where were the failures. Now, you know, I make fun of FIFA a lot. I'm extremely critical of FIFA. Like they're very, they're well known to have committees to look and investigate in their own shortcomings and wrongdoings and missteps. How is that? necessary, which is why the idea of a third party investigation was really important. I felt it was important because you can't keep looking into yourself and absolving yourself with a committee made of your own people. It makes no sense. And it's what structurally gatekeepers have done and those to protect themselves in power have done, whether that's police forces or other forces or other bodies, um, governmental, non-governmental that have done to protect themselves. So these are the things that really struck out at me. And third was the commitment on behalf, they're, you know, talking about 
pressuring the Canadian government because NSOs, national sports organizations, are, are not mandated to be connected to the safe sport reporting mechanism in Canada and that like, independent reporting. And that needs to happen. It can't be optional. Like, I believe strongly that to have a safer environment for sport participation, because we have a pattern here, we have a pattern of coaches who abuse, they psychologically, sexually, emotionally, and then they get, you know, reprimanded or terminated. We don't know why sometimes it's public, sometimes it's not. And then they get hired somewhere else. So immediately, like this happens all the time in sport, and it's men with power who abuse mostly women athletes. And so, you know, it's predatory behavior. So Canada's soccer very much, and as mentioned, and the question that Har asked is I was in the press, you know, I was in the presser too. That was an important thing. And that's something that, you know, Sinky said, she doesn't know. And, you know, she just got out of a match. She's not sure yet. But what, what I did know and what I was told that unequivocally all of the players unanimously voted in favor of this, which meant that not a single person on that roster didn't feel it was necessary. They all did, whether they were young or whether they were involved or knew, you know, Berarda or not, or even had been associated with the white caps. It didn't matter. They all felt that this was important to do as a team. And, you know, I, I think that, I can't comment too much about like other people who have tried to report and whatnot. I just know that as somebody who's been pretty familiar with the story, I have tried to in the past as well and successfully report on it for different reasons. So it's, it's not something that necessarily Canada soccer was going to be transparent about. And that's something that needs to happen. And it's something that the more eyes on this is necessary. And there's a, a few of us, but a few can make a difference. And I'm definitely not the only one. I mean, the soccer reporting community, particularly for women's is a small community and, you know, it, it's important. And I'm grateful for the support on the story, but this is just the beginning. And I think you touch on um, a couple of points too, that, that um, I wanted to ask you kind of um, the wider landscape. And you mentioned earlier that players specifically told you that, you know, they felt, um, at an inflection point, I think is, is the term you used in terms of, um, you know, the, the revelations that have come out in the NWSL. Um, I think we saw in the, the days and weeks after that, there were some global stories. The Venezuela national team jumps out as, as one of them. Um, and I, I wonder, you know, I've, I've been like many kind of sitting with the idea of, of well, well, how do we and or I even in, in this position affect change. You've talked about some of the journalistic process a little bit. And, and I, you know, I don't want to ask you, like, how do we fix this? Because I think that's a huge question that, that none of us can answer individually. But, you know, given your experience in, in reporting on this, and, and you've seen, um, you've seen kind of, you probably know, it's more widespread than even we know, but we know, um, to, to think about that and think about, you know, half of the NWSL in the past six months has, has had some kind of anti-harassment or, or firing for causes, you know, to think that there's even more widespread than that is, is horrifying. Um, and, and it is already to know what we know, but um, what, I guess, I mean, I, I hope you're doing okay. You mentioned the burden of reporting on this, which I certainly understand. Um, but, but like, what, what have you made of this past couple months with, you know, we've got the, the reports of, of sexual abuse within the league, of, of racism, 
uh, within the, within the league, which should not be overlooked. And, and I think was the initial kind of outpouring here on, on a league level. Um, what have you made of this in the sport? I mean, the, the power, it, it seems like each day that goes by, we learn of some new sort of power structure that's problematic today with the, the Busby story. There's Bob Lenarduzzi emails that are out that said, told players to, to not discuss anything in public. And, and um, I will stop rambling, but I'm curious kind of what this has been like as, you know, these past couple of months for you of, of processing all of this and, and seeing it come out. Well, like I mentioned earlier in the show, uh, there's a lot of times where you're tipped off to things or you know things or you hear the murmurings and the whisperings, but that doesn't necessarily mean it can be published or there's enough to corroborate on or there's enough to report on. I was lucky that um, I knew who to ask and, and, and quickly and I had the contacts and I, you know, TSN is a network that support is, supports investigative journalism in this way. Like right now, you know, I know we're soccer, but hockey is blowing up about the Chicago NHL team by my colleague. Rick Westhead has been doing that for months. And it, and and so this is just the first step. So when you report on something like this, it is a commitment to keep up with it. What good would it do if I reported on this on one day and then forgot to follow up with it? There's a responsibility and a duty here. I'm not interested in parachuting in. This needs to be a systemic change. And I really do believe that media can help with that, particularly meant when, you know, one of the reasons why these allegations weren't brought to public before was because they weren't being reported on. And there's a tremendous amount of, you know, deliberate silencing of survivors and people trying to, like, even if you look at Paul Riley's case, Alex Morgan, who was even then one of the most powerful footballers in the world, couldn't get the attention of the higher ups. Like, this is mind boggling to me. And, you know, I think that for those, especially who are bench players or not starters on this team, for this to happen here, is it, it, it sort of causes, it gives one pause. So am I, what I do think is going to happen and am I heartened, I'm awed by the bravery of survivors because journalists have, you know, you know, this is, it's not just a job. And those just say it's just a job or being self-deprecating. This, this is a commitment because it's the type of journalism you choose to practice. Like, you know, there's days where I'm like, I just want to open a cat cafe, sure. Because you're tired. I mean, even in women's sports, you know, this we're constantly talking about fair play, equal play, harassment. I don't have to tell you, like, you know, as much as anyone, it's never just about the game. And this is part of the women's game. This is a part and parcel of women's sport. It's never just about the game. And I know this full well. And the Canadian women's team is one that I've followed for decades. So, you know, being able to do this and be a part of what I hope can be changed. And it's accountability. Like media will ask questions. I, you know, I knew that I had to prompt and I did part of the practice is to email soccer Canada and say, I will be reporting on this. It would be very wise for you to be able to talk to me. Otherwise I will report that I got no comment from you. So I'm letting you know. And then again, before going live on air or taping on air, I was, I gave them another chance because you do that. Right. Um, sometimes it's easier as a journalist not to hear back because then you're like, well, then I don't have to deal with anybody, but you know, you have to be fair. You absolutely have to reach out. Um, even in this case, when we know Bob Baroder, and let me just say this, the bar to actually charge someone is extremely high. It's not a justice system. It's a legal system. And for those people to come forward in the way they did, I am awed constantly by that bravery, but there needs to be, and it's not always a seamless relationship where journalists and, and survivors get along great. There's different ways and there's, there's, 
frustration and there's prodding of questions because there's certain things that we need to know. And it's not easy for anyone, but when it happens and it can, when it can make change, like, I mean, the report, the reporting from Meg and Katie has created not ripples, but waves all over the world. And has that encouraged others to speak out? Yes, because that's the important part. Is it a reckoning within sport? I don't think there's a reckoning yet because those that were in charge are still in charge. A reckoning would be a full overhaul of who was there, who didn't do what they were supposed to do and get them the hell out. That will be a reckoning. I don't think we're there yet. I think we like to use the word reckoning. We are far from a reckoning. We are in the post initial investigations. We're still in that. Like I still have a whole dossier of questions to ask. That I will ask. So if there's Canada soccer listening, I'm going to ask these questions. So because I have to, that's also part of the work. So, you know, for anyone out there that's listening, I do also want to say there are, there are people in the industry. And when I say that, I mean media who really do care about your story. This isn't about clicks. This is about people who really care, particularly those who cover women's sports and women's soccer, who really care about making it better. And there's ways to do that. There's ways to collaborate and there's, you know, collaborate, meaning journalists will do their part. And then athletes do their part and fans and communities do their part. What Portland is doing right now is asking for accountability. And I hope that happens in Canada. I hope people go, who is Bob Barada? And then look him up and find out. And, you know, who is Busby? Who was this person? And then go to Soccer Canada and say, we're mad, A, because we can't find these beautiful jerseys with gold names and numbers on them that everybody wants. And secondly, what the hell? I want that to happen. I want the public to be invigorated. I want them to be enraged. I want this information to be disseminated. That's that's what I want because it's important. And for too long, you know, I, I there's this one quote um, by Arundhati Roy, who is an Indian feminist, and she's a philosopher and thinker. And it says, there's no such thing as the voiceless. There is only the preferably unheard and the deliberately silenced. And I think about that all the time, especially when I'm reporting on abuse. People do try to reach out, but they're silenced. And I was like, no, that's, that's why I take issue with the word voiceless. No. So. Yeah, no, that's, that's a powerful quote. And I think, uh, you know, a good point on uh, the use of the term reckoning, which, you know, I have, I've used in some passing as well um, is, is, uh, you know, a, a sound point that, that maybe we need some more solutions before that's actually what's happening, but, but maybe in progress, um, in the process of, and, um, you know, to, to the point that, um, we've kind of said here, you know, I think anybody listening to this is, is aware of what's, what's happening in the NWSL, which is, um, you know, kind of close to home, um, in, in many ways. And, and it should be said, obviously, you know, yourself being based in Canada, I think many people listening to this, we have Canadian listeners, we have people who live very close. I mean, I think also very close to home. Um, we have, our own our own journalists and and friends in in Vancouver where a lot of these things have, have happened so um where uh, Shireen where can people I know this is this is um a lot of places but where can they find you most easily because you're doing a lot of reporting in the space maybe is it your your Twitter handle kind of is the catch-all perhaps so I basically live on Twitter so it's <laughs> uh 
at underscore Shireen Ahmed underscore. And then my website, www.shireenahmed.com. So I share my stuff there and, you know, I do a bunch of different things. I wear many different hijabs, but like this is the thing is, is that I remember saying to myself that I don't want to be the person that only talks about racism and misogyny. But that's really the intersections and crossroads of where I work. Mm -hmm. Um, But then I was like, I don't want to be the abuse lady. (laughs) But you know what? I'm here and we don't always get to decide this. And if someone comes to me and says, I have a story, I, you know, I try to do it with as much grace and professionalism as I can, but I also am only one person. I don't have a team of people and that's the same thing. Um, for a lot of us in Canada. And I do really appreciate you saying you have listeners in the U S and in Canada all over, this is a global issue. So what happened in Portland didn't only affect Portland. It affected everybody all over. You had FIFA doing work on it. You had people responding and very much. So when, you know, the case of abuse that I also reported on in Afghanistan happened, I've been very connected to that team. And in, in 2007, the end of 2017, what came out, Susie Rack broke this story at the guardian about what was happening. And I've had a relationship with that team for a long time. And, you know, with Kelly Lindsay and Haley Carter and Kalita Popal. And so when that came out, people all over the world cared. The person who broke the story is based in the UK, but that's fine. Like we need to care because this is not an isolated incident. This isn't like misogyny and violence and power only exist in silos. They're deeply connected. And it's part of football culture. And it's a part of football culture that we need to eradicate. And there's ways to do that, like commitment, accountability, and in, in moving forward. And I do think that fans and community wield a lot of power. I really do. I think there's formidable ways in which they can take actionable steps to demand change. And they are the crux of this. It's not like, I mean, there's like, there's a trident, there's media, there's players, there's fans, and we exist together and not a beautiful symbiotic always relationship, but that's what we are. And I think that we can use that. And if we use it for good intention and for solid work, we can definitely make change. Shereen Ahmed, we can follow your work, as you just said there on, on Twitter and on your website. Twitter, I, I try to stay off as much as I can. It's it's not helpful on that mental health uh, aspect. I, I know That's that. But terrible. <laughs> yeah, but I was I was out there tweeting about Brussels sprouts today. And the other thing I've, um, I should say is that Burn It All Down podcast. Yes. And the, yeah. So, um, you know, I'm we're out there shouting about all these things, reporting on all these things. And we don't necessarily only do women's soccer, soccer in particular, but Again, like Jessica Luther, who's on our team, is one of the most incredible investigative reporters in the field of, you know, sexualized violence in sport. Mm -hmm. And so we talk about this in every sport because it exists, Mm -hmm. sadly, enragingly in every sport. So you can find me there. Um, And I'm very grateful for that place. I'm very grateful for that platform. And I'm very grateful to you, Jeff, for having me on. Yeah, I appreciate you coming on and and we'll... um... We'll keep an eye out. Obviously, a lot still to to be developed, um, a lot to develop, and a lot to be to be determined in in Canada, in the NWSL, um, Afghanistan. You mentioned uh, we've got uh, a lot of different um, situations. Which hopefully this is a moment. Hopefully this is actually a, a reckoning to your point of of things actually happening and, and changing. Um, so we'll we'll keep tabs on that, and uh, I'm sure talk again soon. 
Shireen, thanks for joining me. Thank you, Jeff. Thank you for listening to Kicking Back, a podcast brought to you by The Equalizer and now with Blue Wire Podcasts. If you've missed any of our great interviews from the past or you don't want to miss anything going forward, and I promise you that you don't, please subscribe on any platform you're listening. Please go ahead and rate and review our podcast. It really does help with visibility. That's that for this episode. We'll be back soon with another great guest from the world of women's soccer. 